Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. This is the Build Your Network Podcast, episode 397. Hey, this is Chris Hammond, talent buyer for AEG Presents Las Vegas. And if you want to learn how to successfully build high-quality relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network Podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey there, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. I'm your host, Travis Chappell, and today I'm speaking with a friend of mine out here in Las Vegas, actually. His name is Chris Hammond. Chris is a talent buyer for AEG Presents Las Vegas and is primarily responsible for booking the Encore Theater at Wynn Resorts, as well as other venues in Vegas. A native of Lexington, Kentucky, he graduated from Duke University back in 1995 and embarked on a career in baseball before transitioning to the software business, a move which brought him out to Las Vegas in the year 2000. In 2003, he founded Rock and Roll Wine, a wine events and marketing company primarily focused on promoting wine tastings combined with live concerts. A pioneer in the demystification of wine, Hammond also produces his own line of wines out of Sonoma under the Amplified Wines label. In 2009, he was a recipient of Vegas, of Vegas Inc.'s 40 Under 40 Award for his entrepreneurial accomplishments. And in the community, Hammond is board chairman of the Better Business Bureau of Southern Nevada, and he resides in Las Vegas with his wife, Kimberly, and their two children, Chloe and Caden. Guys, I can't wait for you to tune into this conversation. Chris has worked with some of the top talent in the world, booking them out at the uh, Wynn Resorts for the, uh, the Encore Theater. And so this is going to be an awesome, awesome conversation. Can't wait to get into it. But first, really quickly, 
if you are a business executive or uh, you run a seven or eight figure business and you understand the importance of podcasting for relationship building and business development, but you just don't have the team or resources or knowledge to get one started yourself, um, then consider hiring my team over at World Class Media to come out and build that podcast for you. Um, we believe that everybody should do what they're good at. So you do what you're good at, which is finding clients, servicing your customers, providing a, a amazing customer experience, and we'll do what we're good at, which is building world-class chart-topping podcasts that act as your number one business development tool. So if you are at all interested in doing something like that, head over to travischapel.com, C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L, travischapel.com slash make my podcast. And uh, there's a quick application there. It will lead to a phone call with me and we'll chat to see if it might be a good fit for each other. Okay. So enough of that. Chris, what's up, man? Thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Always happy to talk with uh, another person that lives in Las Vegas. Always good to build up that local community here. So, <laughs> always a great town. Always, always something exciting going on for sure. That is true. That is true. A little bit different than uh, Lexington, Kentucky, huh? <laughs> yeah, j just a bit. Just a bit. Uh, <laughs> although, although I like going back there, uh, I still consider, uh, even though I grew up there, I still consider Vegas my hometown for sure. Yeah. So talk to me about that. Let's go back, uh, build some context here before we get into some of the practical stuff. Uh, talk to me about uh, growing up in Lexington. What did you do in high school to, uh, in order to get up to, to Duke? Were you on the baseball track um, or what was that whole process for you? Well, it, like, like any other kid, you think, uh, you know, I had aspirations of becoming a, a uh, professional baseball player. Of course, I had an older brother, I have an older brother who played uh, in the minor leagues a little bit and, and was six or is six years older than me. And he kind of aspired uh, to do the same. So I wanted to follow in his footsteps. But um, certainly uh, my parents instilled the fact that uh, I needed to be pretty good at schoolwork as well, <laughs> yeah. just, just to have a, a bit of backup. So uh, I was lucky enough to get, uh, to get offered a, uh, an opportunity to play baseball uh, at Duke University. Awesome. And uh, so went there, played baseball there for, for four years and uh, graduated out there. And then uh, instead of playing baseball, decided to go work in the front office uh, of, uh, of major league baseball. So I, my first job out of college was, uh, working as a spring training, major league spring training coordinator for the Montreal Expos. That dates me a little bit on how old I am. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <who? laughs> they, I mean, they don't exist anymore. They, they are now the Washington nationals, but, um, you know, so it, it was something that, uh, was, uh, the GM of their class A team, which was owned by the Montreal uh, which is called the West Palm Beach Expos and uh, was uh, coordinator of their major league spring training. And I did that for, uh, for a few years, you know, like any uh, college student or not like any, I guess, but I was one of those that you just kind of figured out I wanted to do something that, that uh, I enjoyed and didn't, didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but, but uh, figured I'd just get out in the workplace and, and see what I was good at and uh, knew I was good at uh, working with, others and relationships and, and, um, you know, responsible actions and, and, uh, you know, building something from scratch that's better than what it was and, and improving on things. So that's what I did. And I did that in baseball for about three years, three, uh, about three and a half years. And, yeah. uh, from that point it, uh, you know, I kind of changed completely did a 180 in the career path. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that for a second. First, before we do that though, I mean, coming out of college to work for a baseball team when you're a huge baseball player and fan had to be, I mean, 
pretty much a dream job, no? I mean, uh, what, what was the main reason that you were looking to do something different or were you looking to do something different? You know, I, I wasn't looking to do something different. Uh, I thought I was going, you know, I was, my aspiration at that point was to work my way up to be the GM of a major league team. And, and mm. you know, I was on that, that particular path uh, to do that. And, you know, that was something that, you know, you, you just have things that kind of come your way. And, and once uh, this opportunity to get in the, the software business from baseball uh, made itself known, that's uh, that's the path I took. You know, it's one of those things where, oh, you're working in professional baseball. You think it's great, and and it is. It it is great. But you know, when I'm working in professional baseball, it's not as glamorous as it may seem. <laughs> You've got a small staff there that you know, when it starts to rain in Florida, like it does almost every day in the afternoon. You know, you you got to get out there with uh, your staff and put your tarp pulling clothes on and and everything else so it's it's uh you know it's something you work your way up to and and most people would aspire to be a part of it but you find that a lot of people get involved in minor league baseball and it's a lot of work and for relatively low pay and you know it's something that you kind of work your way through it um but yeah so i wasn't actively looking to change it but i had a buddy that i went to high school with that uh Mm. was always this guy that you know, Stephen Dahlher is his name. And then okay. he just, everything he touched, it seemed to turn to gold. Like this guy, his business sense was, uh, or is, you know, to this day still is, you know, immaculate. It's like, all right, well, I want to do whatever he's doing because, or be involved with his, because whatever he is in part of ultimately becomes successful. Hmm. And anyway, he was, you know, he had this entrepreneurial spirit and he got involved with a company that was a business to business e-commerce company. Uh, based out here in Vegas, uh, that that he you know relatively or about 30 employees, and the guy that was the founder was from Lexington as well, but lived in Vegas. And I had just read the book The Road Ahead by Bill Gates. You know, we're, we're this is 19. I mean, we're talking 1997, okay, uh, ish 98, uh, right when the dot com uh, boom was getting ready to take off. Yeah. And I had read Bill Gates' book, and I'm like, you know what? I don't want to miss this train here. I, I I might need to make a jump here. I can always get back into baseball because I'm not burning any bridges. Yeah. I've done a good job, and uh, so I uh, he offered me a, a job with uh, with this company. I was employee number 32, I think. It's something that uh, you know what it's what brought me out to Vegas. Worked down in Florida, uh, running a regional office for about a year and a half, two years, and then. Uh, Ultimately, they asked me to move out to the corporate office, which was out here in Vegas. And that's how I got out here, working in the uh, software business. <laughs> so B2B e-com, what kind of stuff did you guys sell? Well, we, we sold a software uh, platform, basically a, a program that allowed the casinos, and this is why we were based in Vegas, that allowed the casinos or any business to use the internet at the time. I mean, remember, it's just dial-up. Yeah, and, right. you know, it was that... Uh, you know that that funny sound that it makes when you connect to the internet, yeah. but it was it was uh, it was allowing the purchasing departments to connect with their suppliers uh, via this software program over the computers all at once, rather than calling them all. So it was created, and there was a patent put on. It was kind of a, a bid and quote process. So if let's just I mean I'm going to simplify it a bit. Uh, you know you you need to buy light bulbs, and you've got three light bulb vendors. This is, I'm going into my I'm retro. Uh, I feel like I'm I'm going back and relapsing into my sales pitch here. But uh, <laughs> yeah. 
you know, you've got you've got your three vendors, and then uh, your purchasing guy calls the three, gets them to fax in a quote, fax in again dating, uh, <laughs> yeah, get them to the fax yeah. in a quote. <laughs> you know, they look at these three different quotes, see which one is the best quote, and then go go with that one. What this what this uh, software did was allow that person at the time, pretty revolutionary, that purchasing person to say, all right, here's on on the computer, here are my three suppliers, here is exactly the specs, the light bulbs I need. I press one button. I send it those three suppliers at once. They respond on the computer. It sends it back to me in a spreadsheet, a comparative spreadsheet, uh, gotcha. who has the lowest price. And it also suggests, you know, it continues to build a network of new vendors, suggests new vendors. So maybe you want a cheaper price and you'll send it out to, to some other vendor. So that was the basic premise of it. And, and we continued to build out from there and, and kind of, you know, expand it to just not bid and quote, but then purchasing and then finding new suppliers and then, uh, marketplaces and you know it was pretty successful we went we were one of these high-flying nasdaq.com companies that uh, we were i think we were number uh we were the highest growth or highest jumping ipa and or ipo in 1999 maybe oh, wow. uh, okay yeah yeah we you know we went from 12 dollars a share was the ipo price up to like 186 a share wow um and then subsequently down to nickel share. So I yeah. might, might need to add that as well. Yeah, yeah well, it uh, sounds and, like it was yeah. right during the dot-com bubble. So you guys... Yeah, dot-com bubble and the, and the bust, for sure. Yeah, yeah, got it, got it. So, yeah, But it was a good ride. And, you know, so you, you talk about experience. And, uh, that's what and, I was going to ask, yeah. So yeah. what were a couple of the things that you learned the most in that, in that opportunity? <laughs> this episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Well, you know, I'm a firm believer that a lot of times you learn what is, uh, you, you learn by best by what not to do. 
you know, mm. yeah. you, so, so if you go through some experience, you learn best what not to, you know, one of these, one of our biggest problems was we, we tried, we didn't focus. We were trying to grow too fast. We went public and then that put the pressure on us and yeah. we had to hit numbers every quarter. So we started to focus less on providing a solution that actually worked and, and focusing on, you know, software creation, development, fixes, new features, and that actually worked for the buyer to just getting customers, getting customers, signing yeah. customers, signing customers. And, and I think we lost focus in the actual, hey, is this thing actually saving these people more time hmm. or, hmm. Or, or not? You know, it, or, or are we just kind of on this treadmill now right. to try to every quarter hit this number? Well, the answer was we were on the treadmill every quarter to try to hit the number. Hmm. And that was our ultimate downfall. Um, yeah. You know, one of those things that we just didn't focus on the solution. And, and I think that was probably the biggest, the biggest lesson. It's like, the, you know, you, you can put so much hype, and especially here in Vegas, as you well know, you know, there are a lot of smoke and mirrors, right? There's a yeah. lot of people that talk a big game, a lot of people that, that put out, that pump their chest out and say they're doing this and they're doing that and they have this. And it's, when it gets down to it, it's down to the core. Does the solution work? Is it more efficient? Is the product or service you're providing helping? Or hurting and uh, in making things more efficient, whether it's less, you know, less costly uh, or more efficient or whatever the, the purpose of the service or product is, you know, that, that's the core of it. And if it's not doing that, that's uh, that's something that that's, you know, probably at the core of your heartache. And then the other thing is just customer service. You know, I think I think uh, that's one thing in Vegas that is very good for the most part is customer yeah. service. and and, you know, really, and it goes hand in hand with what I said before, really focusing on the customer and the solution and is it working for them? And if it's not, you know, addressing those concerns and making changes. And I think yeah. that's, uh, that's kind of, and, and, you know, that those, that kind of that core belief, you know, authenticity, genuine authenticity kind of uh, resonated and, and when my business partner and I, Sonny Barton, uh, started rock and roll wine. That was kind of at the core because he actually came from the same company. That's okay. how we met. Uh, gotcha. that was kind of at the core of, of how we started the, the wine and music business. Company. So you started the wine and music business, I'm assuming after the bubble burst. Yeah. Well actually on accident during, so okay. it was one of the, <laughs> it's one of these things where we, uh, see, we started about, I joined the company about, uh, 30 employees. We got to 700 and then we got down to about 30 again. Wow. And, uh, you know, this is one of those things where we knew we were going to be bought out of a bankruptcy by a California company. I had no intention of continuing to work for the company and going to California. I had, um, you know, I'd put a little bit of money, money away. So I wasn't under so much pressure to yeah. do something. And my, my buddy, uh, that also worked for purchase pro Sonny Barton, you know, I remember us talking one day, he's like, well, what do you, you know, what, what do you want to do? And I, I was always intrigued by wine, always loved wine. Um, I, my father's a huge wine collector and wine connoisseur. Yeah. And my wife and I love to go to Napa Valley. And, and there's no better experience than going uh, to a winery and having some very hospitable, uh, knowledgeable, friendly, down-to-earth, laid-back person helping you taste through wines. You know, yeah. to me, that's just awesome. So I told uh, Sonny, I said, hey, I want you know what I want to do? You know, I'm not, not under a lot of pressure right now to do something. I want to 
open up a wine bar. That's what I want to do. And I want to replicate that California wine country experience that you get when you go and taste wines. And so he wanted to be involved in commercial real estate. Well, he said, all right, well, let's, why don't we work together? Why don't you start scouting out some locations? And then in the meantime, I'm going to work on my sommelier exam. I'm just for the hell of it. I'm going to study up on wine. Just kind of want to learn a little more mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. And uh, what that led to um, is Sonny saying, you know, I want to learn a little bit more about wine. And we started going to some different wine tastings around town. And it was just so pretentious and so uh, stuffy. And all these people that had the wine knowledge, it was like they were, you know, they had some sort of holy grail around their heads. And, you know, you just couldn't, you were scared to ask a question because you yeah. thought they'd, they'd scoff at yeah. you. Yeah, look down um, on you, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I remember we were sitting at one and, and, you know, it was one of those things where I just looked at Sonny and I said, you know, we could do this better. And I said, why don't we do this? Why don't, because I didn't have any friends at the time. Sonny was the social one. But <laughs> I said, why don't you, why don't you uh, invite some people over to the house? Yeah. And I'm going to study, you know, it'll help me to stay. So I'll just study, let's say, New Zealand wines one week. And then the next week I'll do French wines and next week I'll do Australian wines and then, then, you know, Oregon, whatever, and it'll help me study. And then I'll do like a tasting with everybody. Yeah. And so I said, all right, so we did the first one, had 12 people at my house around my dining room table. I had about eight wines from, uh, I think it was New Zealand, I had about eight wines from New Zealand, four whites, four reds, and I had little circles drawn and, and I had some rules, you know, I made it fun. I said, one, no question is a stupid question. You know, it just, it just really kept it very, very light. And one of the things I would say a few words about the wine, answer any questions, and then they'd taste the wine and then we'd move on. You know, one of the, one of the rules was don't dump the wine. If you don't like it, I'm sure some, one of your neighbors will like it. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to waste any, waste any alcohol. That's sacrilege. While we move between wines, one of the things I do is just play some music. Cause I'm one of these guys that is absolutely uh, uncomfortable with silence. Right. So it's like, all right, I got to have some music, but I didn't play what you'd think. All right. It's a wine tasting. It's, you know, light jazz or some sort of, you know, no, I, I was playing at the time, one of my favorite bands, which was Everclear out of the, mm. the Northwest. And, and it was just so funny how, and it wasn't just Everclear, but it was, it was rock music, you know, yeah, it was alternative right. rock. And it was one of these things that it just took the, the pretentiousness down this level to where people were very comfortable yeah. and then they started talking a little more and then they started telling what they liked about the wine, what they didn't like about the wine, started laughing, you know, and it got louder. You could feel the energy in the room. And then I'd turn it off and we go to the second wine and then it just repeat until we got to through the last wine. And then everybody, you know, obviously felt a little better after yeah. uh, tasting eight wines, but, of course. <laughs> but it was, it was this amazing kind of social experiment. And we did that for 17 weeks around my dining room table and it just grew and grew and grew wow. to where, you know, I could only have 40 people in my house at one time. We bought tables from Sam's club and all that good stuff. And, and, uh, you know, it got to this point where like, wait, maybe instead of this wine bar, maybe we have something here, you know, let's take this out of the house before my wife kills me. Yeah. And so we ended up doing that. We took it out of the house and we're, we tried to identify what made this so unique and so fun where everybody was telling their friends to come to it. And it was the music. And so hence, we named the company Rock and Roll Wine, and that's when Rock and Roll Wine was born. That's and amazing. Yeah, from there, you know, I know it's a very long story, but from there, we just continued to grow it to where we ultimately started to bring in, instead of playing Everclear, we started to bring in bands like Everclear to play nice. this wine tastings and play the shows. So that's where the, that's how that grew. You know, still to this day, we, we make our own wine out of California, and we still um, 
you know, do the uh, wine events as well with live music. But that's how what led me to my next, you know, step yeah. here. Right, right. So in, in Las in Las Vegas, is this all specific to Las Vegas local market? Yeah, yeah primarily, yes. Okay. Uh, we did. We we started to do. We've done some events in Washington State. We've done some events in Atlantic City. We've done some events in LA. But primarily, you know, ninety five percent of our events are in are in Las Vegas. Got it. When's the next one? Well, the next one is. Uh, w- We've got some that we haven't announced yet, but the next one's uh, on the books is going to be uh, at Mandalay Bay Beach with Revolution, which is actually a, a partnership with the company I work with now, AEG. Okay. But it's uh, in in July. But we've got some more that we're going to announce. But basically, that is you buy a ticket. You know, if you buy the rock and roll wine ticket, you buy your ticket and includes includes you know depending on the event, you know twenty plus different wines that you taste through in addition to the concert and all that fun stuff. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I'll have to get the dates on that and take the wife out. Yeah. Yeah. Feel free to come out. Just let me know. Okay. So this one has been a long time coming and I'm excited to announce the launch of my new company, world-class media. I've been doing podcast coaching and consulting for individuals and businesses for the last couple of years. And over the last few months, I just haven't been able to keep up with the requests. So in order to serve more people, I've decided to stop taking on coaching clients and start an agency that creates a done for you podcasting solution, as well as monthly production and repurposing services. So if you are a business owner, coach, consultant, entrepreneur, real estate investor, whatever it may be, then a podcast should be be the most powerful business development tool in your arsenal. Imagine having something that is constantly engaging your ideal client, even when you're sleeping, or that allows you to connect with the top people in your industry to build your network and establish credibility, or that allows you to help listeners that are currently outside of your sphere of influence, or that helps you get book deals or speak on more stages or create content once that we can repurpose and distribute across all the platforms for you. That is the power of a world-class podcast that's done the right way. So if you're interested in starting a show, but you just don't have the time, the resources, or desire to figure out all the tech stuff, the hosting, the equipment, the platforms, the production, then you just focus on what you do best, which is serving your clients and running your business. And then let my team focus on what we do best, which is creating world-class chart-topping podcasts. Let's at least hop on a call and chat about it because I'm fairly picky with the people that I work with. And I only work with people who I genuinely think are going to be able to absolutely crush it with a new show. So head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. That's travischapel.com slash make my podcast. And we'll chat real soon. So you just kind of alluded to it a second ago. So this is eventually what took you into the position that you have now over at AEG. Can you talk a little bit about the transition there? Tell me that story. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Bobby Reynolds, who who runs our uh, Las Vegas office here, uh, you know, I've been friends with him for probably 10 years. And, and he started coming to um, my rock and roll wine events at uh, at Mandalay Bay Beach. And we, we hosted a, something called the Wine Amplified Festival every year. And, and he just loved these events. We became good friends. And obviously, I knew what he did. And as we started to book more and more bands, as I started to book more and more bands, that's one of the things that uh, I liked to do when we're, we're bringing in these bands, I'd always call Bobby to get his advice. Cause I knew with AEG, you know, he, he had a lot of data. He knew what bands were worth. He knew what bands were getting paid. He knew how many tickets he thought they would sell. And yeah. so he had this expertise that I was always leaning on to say, Hey, what do you think about this? How much would you pay these guys? Or what do you think about? It? And he'd always give me this advice. So, um, you know, and that happened, you know, over the course of several years. And then it was a bit, few years ago and he said you know this might be a crazy question but you're always calling me it seems you enjoy booking these bands 
he said, would you ever want to come work, you know, for the Vegas office and, and, and help book AEG shows? And I said, yeah, absolutely. That sounds pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. So now here I am. That's amazing. So talk to me about what your main responsibilities are at AEG. So a uh, talent buyer here. So what I, uh, what I do primarily, my primary responsibility is working with Wynn Resort and booking their Encore Theater. Um, it's a 1,480 capacity theater that uh, is gorgeous. The acoustics are amazing. In 2019, we were, you know, the highest grossing uh, theater under 2,000 cap in the world. You know, we bring in all sorts of uh, uh, music, uh, all genres of music, as well as stand-up comedy. And we're looking to add a little bit to that this year, with maybe some touring podcasts and, and some uh, a speaker circuit as well. So uh, that's, that's awesome. my primary responsibility, though. Um, you know, I do book some shows at Mandalay Bay Beach. You know, we'll do some, some other shows. We book and we'll manage the joint, which was at the Hard Rock, but the Hard Rock just closed and will open up in December. Uh, again, as a Virgin Hotel, yeah, and yeah. the joint will reopen with uh, some nice capital improvements, and that's going to be a, a room that we'll book as well. So, um, you know, a little bit of everything, but my primary responsibility is Wynn Resorts for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. So who have been some of the people that you've been in contact with? And since this is the Build Your Network podcast, how are you able to foster relationships with some of the talent that you have coming through your theaters? The big thing that, that you learn when you're, when you're booking talent is that it's a very competitive one in yeah. Las Vegas. Very competitive. <laughs> so any, any little edge you can give to that to get this particular band or artist or comedian to play your venue is a plus. And a lot of times that happens to be the relationship you have, mm. whether that relationship is with the artist his or herself with the artist management or with the booking, uh, the booking agent for the particular artist. Yeah. That, that relationship is really what gives you an edge. And, you know, essentially it, it's something that will make, you know, make them come to your venue over going to somebody else's venue and just little things you can do to create that, you know, it, it's a different animal here in Las Vegas, uh, booking shows and, and places shows you AEG is the second largest concert promoter in the world. So we have mm. these weekly calls with, with all our talent buyers around the country. And, uh, you know, sometimes you sit there and you say, man, you're, you know, you listen to these guys that, you know, they have a room and they book that room, but it's much different in Vegas. It's, it's, it's much more complex in Vegas because we, are working for the most part with licensed casinos that have lots of rules and regulations and particularly with the win lots of, of brand recognition and brand concerns they won't just bring in anybody i mean these sure. guys yeah uh, you know just came out with 22 uh, forbes five stars a couple weeks ago i mean they they have i guess they're the uh, the largest uh five-star resort company in the world Wow. And uh, Forbes five star company in the world, and you know, so so these guys aren't just going to take any Tom, Dick, and Harry in the in their theater just because right. we think we right. make a few. It has to fit the brand, has to fit a certain price point of tickets, and has to bring the right people in. And so that's something that's you know that's unique to buying talent in Las Vegas. So we have to go through an approval process, a content approval process, yeah. when we do that, uh, which is understandable. And, uh, you know, their, their brand is paramount over there. 
and they've been successful at, at making sure it's, you know, as you know, living in Vegas, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's the nicest resort on the strip. Yeah. And, right. you know, arguably in the country, or in the world, I mean, that these, you know, they spare no expense on the luxuries and, you know, we have to match that in, in our talent buying. Sure. So tell me a story uh, really quick about a time where maybe, maybe you were talking to somebody and, um, and the deal wasn't going the way that you were hoping it was going to go. And maybe you came in with some sort of strategy or some sort of relationship and, and saved it and able, you were able to like put it together or had to do a workaround, but you could eventually like book the talent that you were going for. Any stories like that? Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's a, as I said, it's, it's so competitive in here and it's funny. There's, there's kind of a, um, un, you know, kind of a, uh, agreement, not an agreement, but an understanding. I mean, you, you don't want to completely, um, it's very competitive, but it also is very incestuous in the sense that, you know, I may compete with MGM for somebody that's at park theater and to try to book them and wins the encore theater. But then, uh, and, but then the next week I'll co-promote, share in there with them hmm. you know it, it, it's something that's, yeah. it's, it, it's a little bit of a bizarre situation so no kidding you know one <laughs> one thing we try we never want to bad mouth any competitors or venues in town hmm. that it's one of the things that we never do to get it so what we always try to do is is show them the extras i mean the things that that we have to do in particular at Wynn resort and encore is is it's a smaller theater uh, sometimes the key to this is and the key to the story is we get a lot of acts that play much bigger theaters, but you're able to see them in this small intimate theater. Yeah. And so how do we get them the, not only the economics to be right, but how do we get the artists to want to play a smaller venue? Right. Then maybe they might usually play. Well, that's where you bring in, you know, one of the nicest resorts in the world where we put you up in a suite. You're surrounded by, you know, some of the nicest restaurants in the world. Mm. And there's a brand association there that is, is, is a big deal. You know, it's a big deal for um, some of these artists to be associated with the top brand, you know, highest quality brands, you know, in the, in in the, in the uh, strip for sure. That's the strategy. You know, there's certain things that don't go your way and do go your way. I mean, obviously there's content, ideas that, that I think will work there that maybe the wind will disagree and I have to go yeah. back and provide more information and kind of sell it a little bit more. And ultimately they'll either say, yeah, no, still don't think so. Or they'll say, which they have. Yes. All right. You got, you know, I agree with you now. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, a lot of the work that goes into it there. That's the, probably the biggest challenge is to, to try to be, um, you know, going through that approval process and making sure, you know, we, we get, they get the right information and, you know, sometimes the decisions don't go my way, you know, where I think that they'd be great for the property and they don't, you know, they're there, it's their property ultimately, but other times I'll, you know, be able to convince them that it is. And then other times it's just easy. It's like, yeah, yeah, 100% we'll bring them in. Yeah. So that's, you know, like I said, that's one of the challenges that we as talent buyers have here in Vegas that, that nobody else has in, in other regions that don't yeah, deal right. with casinos. Sure. Um, or, or properties of, of the wind's magnitude for sure. So relationships are obviously something that's super important to you. Uh, I want to ask you this question. It's the staple question that I ask everybody on the show. Do you believe, Chris, that who you know or what you know is more important and why? Well, 
I I think it's what you know, and I'll and I'll tell you why. It seems this day and age, especially these times, you know, there, there's kind of a death of expertise. Everybody thinks they're an expert yeah, on something, <laughs> and just because you know you you post something on social media and a lot of people read it, doesn't mean you know what the hell you're talking about. Sure. And I think what you know, and if you establish your reputation as the person that knows that as an expert or somebody that's very good at that, the who will come because you'll be found out. I mean, I, you know, it's a, the, I mean, for lack of a better, it's the cream rises to the top. Yeah. So, so I'm always a big proponent of what you know. I think, as I alluded to a little bit before in this conversation, that, that you know, there are a lot of people in Vegas that think the opposite to the detriment. Hmm. where it's all show, you know, no substance, all smoke, no substance, yeah, right? Sure. You know, it's like, oh, I know this person. I know that person. I'm the biggest networker here and there. And that's good. Yeah. You know, there's not that if they're using that in the right way. And there are people that do that. You know, there, I mean, obviously there's matchmakers that are network people and they get compensated in a certain way for doing that. Right. It just depends on how you use it. So there is a good, solid, and, legitimate argument for who. Yeah. yeah but right, right. I would always lean towards what. Yeah, I love that. And that, that's why I asked the question like that on the show, because I, I know I, I think it's the who and I ask every guest and a lot of times people say it's the what. And that's why that's honestly why I started asking that question so much, because I thought, you know, I always heard that phrase growing up, like who you know is more important than what you know. So I just figured yeah, that yeah. everybody would agree, you know, and we could move on into the conversation. It's, you know, but, it's, it's the first yeah, time I've ever asked the question. I've ever been asked the question. So I hope I don't sit here after after this and think about it and have to call you back. And say, you know what? <laughs> yeah, we'll set up interview number two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going I'm to change my mind. There. Can, can you edit this thing? Yeah, so. <laughs> we'll, we'll, t- we'll do a live podcast at Rock and Roll. In, uh, in yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. Now, you don't know what you'll hear out of my voice after a few glasses of wine. It might change <laughs> even completely. Better, even better. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So I know that you're really involved here in the local community, Chris, uh, being, I mean, chairman of the Better Business Bureau of Southern Nevada and things like that. Um, what do you do, if anything, on purpose to build relationships specifically in your local community? So, you know, it's, and, and we did this, I think one of the, and I, and I go back to our rock and roll wine days and, and my business partner, Sonny Barton is, uh, in that company is the very same way. One of the things we, we did from day one is we were, we saw, you know, because we were a promoter really, and we went and met with these casinos and we, it was being authentic and genuine and following through with what you said and not overstating your value yeah. and just being completely honest with these people. And we've developed a reputation, uh, of being just stand up guys. And I think that's the biggest compliment there is, you know, whether, you know, and, and, you know, I've, I've transitioned that over to this job as well as that, you know, people know me from rock and roll wine that work with the casinos and, they also know me from AEG and it's just something that, that being a stand up, honest, genuine person that is refreshing to a lot of these people to get pitched ideas yeah. all the time. And, and I think, you know, when you do that, that network will start to build because they'll start to, you know, you know, you, you should call, you should call Chris Hammond yeah, or you should right. call Sonny Barton. You should, you should call this person because they're not going to bullshit you. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to, you know, try to, you know, you know, screw you around whatsoever. They're going to actually shoot you straight. They're going to tell you what they can do, can't do, and really provide something of value. And if they don't provide something of value, they'll make it right. And I think that's a, a reputation that's well-earned. And, and again, that goes back kind of to my what, right? Yeah. I think the the network 
will come. So it, yeah, it takes a little longer, sure. Um, and it certainly helps to, to have somebody make an introduction to you. One of those guys, I have to get better at this. And you probably talked about this before on your show, but you know, remembering names, right? Yeah. And, and there's nothing that makes me like somebody more than if I don't really know them that well, but they remember my name from meeting me sometime. Right. Or they, yeah. you know, Hey, and, and it surprises you. Right. Yeah, right. You know, one of the things my, my, my father was a, uh, uh, retired now, but he's, was a, uh, sportscaster for NBC sports. And one of the things when I was younger and I'd be there, uh, with him at a game or he's, you know, calling a football game or whatever he's calling. And, uh, he would go around and I remember he would, he addresses everybody by their first name from to the cameraman, to the runner, yeah. to whoever it is. And he just so good at remembering that. And I'm like, man, that is impressive. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta get better at that because he was so respected because of that, because, you know, they didn't think that he was above them. They didn't think that he thought he was better than them because he wasn't. Mm, yeah. And uh, it, it's just something that goes uh, a very long way. Uh, I certainly would like to practice it more than I preach it. But <laughs> Yeah, right. No. It's yeah. A, such a, a small thing that can make the biggest difference, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, big proponent of that. <laughs> well, cool, Chris. It's been a really just an awesome conversation. I appreciate you for coming on the show. Before we head out here, what would be the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? Yeah, well, you know what? They can, uh, they, I'll tell you what, if they want to come to any show at Wynn Encore Theater um, to see, I mean, they can go to WynnLasVegas.com and check out all the shows. Uh, that's the best way they can, uh, they can get a hold of me through uh, through that medium if they want to go to rock and roll wine which is uh, just rock and roll wine.com or rnrwine.com you know we do thursday wine tastings every thursday night at rotating locations they can come see see us there nice. so a few awesome. different ways awesome well if you are listening right now and you want to connect with chris then uh, he just told you the best couple of ways i know that i'm going to be trying to head out to one of those wine testing wine tastings soon so we can chat in person sometime chris and uh, i appreciate you uh, for coming on the show and uh, if you're listening to this right now definitely reach out say what's up if you're a vegas local get out to one of those wine tastings get out to rock and roll um this uh, this summer and uh, you'll probably see me there as well chris thanks so much for coming to the show today man seriously had a fantastic time chatting with you Thanks so much, Travis. Really appreciate you having me. Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies, as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle Mastermind. There are already dozens of high quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls, there's accountability crews and more, all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to BYN innercircle.com to jump in. That's BYNinnerCircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. See you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.